welcome back to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast with a little bit of awardsy, buzzy mm-hmm. ketchup today. There's a, there's a, you're trying to squeeze out the ketchup a little bit and there's a buzz coming out of it. And it, I guess what's a little gold man buzzing around like a little bee. You're trying to catch it, catch up to it. That's was, what we're doing. I was more thinking of like the like sweet, you know, like how that last scoop, like whenever you're scraping the barrel of like a little sauce packet that you got, and it's like, it tastes the best. That last little mm. bite. You're That's saving like, it. Yeah. You're, you're sa- saving that little, that little nugget. A little fucking nugget. Um, with a couple of movies that we are in the midst of kind of fitting in in between when we did our best of the year and before we actually get to the end of award season. So it's a good little sweet spot here as we now know the Oscar nominees and now know all of the Guild nominees and after we've done our um, actual lists. Um, So we're going to get into about five movies here for you as we chill out and hang out on the show today. Welcome. My name's Ernest. Um, I am guy who catches up on awards fodder uh, while doing cross-country airline flights, Hunter. Oh, yeah? How many of these did you watch? Um, Well, just on this list, just one. But um, there's a lot of movies that I caught up on. Uh, while just flying across country i love let me tell you i love flying flying is like one of my favorite things in the world i wish i could just like fly around you really did go across the country too so that's plenty of watching time yeah no exactly i was able to do double features on both my flights there and my flight back it was great loved it we're gonna save a couple of them because um drew's not here as you may have heard in the previous episode, Drew is in the middle of um, intense negotiation talks between Russia and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. He has been appointed the mediator. He's been drafted as a podcaster into the conflict. I actually I just got breaking news from Drew. He says that he has to. And I don't, tell me if you can make sense of this sentence. They said he says that he's trying to become the Ricardos. <laughs> I think that he watched being the Ricardos and he thought oh, that he no. needed to become one of them. And now Putin is going to nuke Ukraine. He, he said no. that he said he's been working on his Javier Bardem impression to become Desi Arnaz. I don't know what that means. I don't know what he's trying to say. Pray for Ukraine. Pray for Drew. We're with you. Um, we're going to save a couple of the uh, awards catch up with uh, to till he gets back from um, from the, the east. Um <laughs> Ja- is jackass forever awards contender? yeah well uh, that's gonna be next year <laughs> okay. so maybe we should save that for the oscar conversation next okay year. okay okay when i'm ready to just go all in yeah. on the chris pontius campaign um by the way if you haven't already check out our most anticipated movies of 2022 podcasts which we just recorded for you um if that you're watching on up. youtube and you're like hey you two are in the exact same outfits that you yeah. just were in i promise i'm not a stinky little maybe, boy maybe i'll maybe i'll unbutton one should we whenever we do these should i bring multiple sets of clothes <laughs> so people don't think that i'm like a little stinker who just like wears the a same whole week They're like this guy really likes modest yeah. mouse huh well no She's got i got the think, same shirt see, on 
this is this is what I want to get on board with here is, you know, how in 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 animated like in kids cartoons or like any cartoon, they just draw the cartoon character with the exact same outfit every episode. Like SpongeBob wears the same suit every day. Mm -hmm. Patrick wears the same green pants like he's not changing out. Maybe once in a while you'll get the sneak peek into their closet and it's just like 15 pairs of the exact same outfit. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Unfortunately, we did already record one <laughs> visual episode. I'm not wearing the same outfit as I was. Then. Yeah, you were wearing a hat. You introduced yourself as like the beanie guy in the group. I he, that is a bad <laughs> man. If only we had a producer here who would say like first video like for the pilot, you can't introduce yourself as the beanie guy because then people will only ever recognize you as the beanie guy. People are like, is that Drew? I don't know now because we yeah. were standing. You didn't see him the short one. Yeah, he thinks you're just... a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Yeah. So Luckily Moo's not barking his head off anymore <laughs> thinking that you're just a different guy. Well, it's because I took the hat off. Yeah. Last episode was a nightmare because I had the hat on. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the the visual listeners can see him, but the dog is still here. He is a good boy. He's sleeping just off frame. He He, is past the fuck out over there. What a good boy. What a good boy. watched like the chase sequence, one of them of Mad Max Fury Road, and now he's just exhausted over here. Yeah. Last episode, he gassed us out a couple times. So now he's all gassed out himself. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We have five movies here that we're fitting into this little catch up episode. Um, oh, you're adding you're <laughs> just, adding a movie. I added a movie in there just right now. It just we a have little, six a movies <laughs> a little, little that we're catching up on. Um, the movie you added is not a best picture um, no, but it's, nominee. It's so let's awards, awards one. Why don't we start out with it since it's okay. not so we can sandwich the best picture nominees in the middle of the conversation. Hey. All right, cool. That works. Okay. Um, so I watched a little movie that it's not a Best Picture nominee, but it did get more awards love than I was expecting it to get. A lot of people were betting on it being a Best Picture nominee. Yeah. It was so a bit it, of a shock that it, it didn't get in there. It didn't get a it didn't get a Best Picture nominee, but it got a Best Editing, which is usually those things kind of go hand in hand. Which that's why it was a little bit odd. Um, I am of course talking about. Lin Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, Tick Tick Boom. Tick Tick, tick. Boom. Um That's that's how it's written. Tick. No, it's tick tick. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, you gotta really enunciate that pause right there. Yeah. The ellipsis. Here's the thing. I really like this movie it's a, a great lot. Movie. People are really shitting on this movie i some okay. people fucking hate this movie and the thing is like i kind of get the, it the ringer is shitting on this movie for some reason there hey, are multiple people you know what here's the thing is that i try to hide it i've tried to run away like to leave my past behind at the end of the day i'm a theater boy mm-hmm. i i came from the theater and i'm a very simple man i love musicals I love a really well done musical. I will say this is a really well done musical. I think that kind of it's to this movie's credit that the songs aren't great in it and it's still compelling. Yeah. I wish that the songs were a little bit better. The set pieces are great. Do you remember when when I 
talked about this last yeah. awards yeah, yeah. catch up episode. I talked about how like there's a couple of songs that have that little earworm factor to them. Like the they're singing happy birthday. Yeah. You just wanna lay down mm-hmm. and cry. Yeah. yeah. That, That's a good one. There you kind of wish that the entire musical as a whole had that. Cause I, I feel like in the heights has that. In the Heights has like the opening number, obviously, and then it has the ninety six thousand, you know, and um, there's a couple other moments where like you can you can directly remember the visual and the music together. Tick Tick Boom, I don't think has that, does it? No, but I think that this movie kind of it's it's very different comparing this and In the Heights because In the Heights is more- it's such an obvious like comparison though it, the it's ob- yeah because yeah. Of the lin-manuel cr- connection but in the heights is very it's very classic movie musical and that's like these are big broad set pieces with people dancing in the streets and one of the things that i liked most about tick tick boom is kind of more of the quieter feels like the wrong word but like one of my favorite sequences is very early on in the film where it's the um where uh uh andrew garfield just starts breaking out in song when he has a party at his house the bohemia like that was just kind of like it felt like what theater kids who you were around yeah. growing up as a kid always wanted to be able to do, but they didn't have the talent or the yeah. ability to kind of articulate something or the that, people around them that would welcome. It. Yeah. That were like on the same wavelength yeah. as them. Like that's kind of a thing is that it kind of captures it almost is like, and this is going to be like a strange connection, but it's like seeing people, how people connect in this movie. And it's different because this is a, uh, fictional story that's made with characters not real people but it almost kind of reminded me of like watching something like the Beatles get back where it's just like they have almost like this unspoken connection mm-hmm. with each other where it's just like oh that's what we're doing okay yeah. I'm gonna pick up on this I'm gonna yeah. riff on that and that's something that the best musicals are able to kind of capture that feeling in a way and I this think is, this movie does kind of capture that that feeling this of is spon- ba- the the um Active spontaneity without yeah. true spontaneity. This is based on a real guy, though. Right. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Legend. Who wrote Rent. Um, which, by the way, like the whole story of like, you know, how he dies and like the context around that. Like, I didn't know any of that before this movie. And that emotionally really works because um, like this whole movie is framed around him putting his whole life into this play that's not rent and it's a it's a it's a show that doesn't take off you know and and it's like you're you're leading up to this moment that you think is the moment and then it's not um and i really feel like that works really well when when you're telling a story about like the price that you pay trying to make it as an artist like that's what this story is about it's like a guy who just like sacrifices so much of himself to try to make it and he he does and he doesn't you know like i don't want to give uh, i think you should see the movie it's a really good movie it's based on true events and i don't want to give everything away but like you know it is based on reality basically he doesn't live to see the opening of right yeah. 
Like yeah, that's, I mean, that's the that's, thing. That's yeah. the 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 hook of like the the end of the movie is that revelation of like no, that's not even the end of the that's revealed very that's I think that's the very beginning of the movie is they're just like this is the story of Jonathan Larson the man who like wrote Rent and then was never able to actually see a story right. come to fruition like that's how the movie starts so it's not really a spoiler to say Jonathan Larson passed away way too early in his life um, I do think. You know, it's interesting what this movie does. And part of it, I, you know, it kind of, it falls into the same trappings that a lot of these kind of movie musicals do, where it's like, oh, well, we have to have this conflict in there so that we can have the rising action. Like, it's very, very, very formulaic to a fault. But I think that it kind of, it does really well in those kind of formulaic tendencies. I love, first of all, that this is a story not about him writing rent that this is a story about his first thing that he's trying to write and it's about him turning 30 and being like mm-hmm. racked with this anxiety of like well steven sondheim had already <laughs> wrote west side story by the time he was 30 so what the fuck am i doing with right. my life and then tick tick boom isn't even a reference to the musical that he's trying to write tick tick boom is a memoir a musical memoir that he's writing about his life yeah because somebody tells him like Write about what you know. Write about what you know. And then from that, he's kind of able to work through his feelings and emotions enough to it eventually a, write rent. But that's not how the creative process doesn't work like that for yeah. like 99.99999% of people are just like, I got it. Here's a masterpiece. Right. Like, and there's a moment at the end. I think he can't remember what the character is. Um, He's talking to this lady and she's like, OK, write the next one. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. If you're a writer, it's really good. Now do the next one. That's I love. I goddamn. Who is it who plays that? Uh, um, I believe it's Judith Light. I'm looking at IMDb. I think that's that who it is. It is. She is incredible. I love that scene that you were talking about because that's something that I feel like just gets lost by so many people who just have this dream of just like, oh yes, I just have this idea in my head. I'm gonna be a writer. I'm gonna be a director. Yeah. And it's like. I did this thing. I put everything. I poured my heart and soul onto the page and here it is. But if you want this to be a career, if you want this to be your life, if you want to have a life of a writer, doesn't just end after you. You don't just write one thing and then you're like, cool, cash my checks. I'm, I'm cashing in. I'm done. That's, that's life. You keep working on it. You keep fucking banging, burning that midnight oil. Um, shout out to some of the other cast members, though. I mean, obviously, Andrew Garfield got nominated for an Oscar for this. He actually has an outside shot to upset Benedict and Will. I think that he's in third. He's running in third right now. Yeah. I think behind Willie and Benny. But I... He's incredible I in this movie. This movie, like... I loved his performance. This movie is not that good without him like this movie is great solely because of his mm-hmm. performance but i also got to shout out some of the other people robin de jesus Dude, as michael robin de jesus is fucking he's so goddamn good in this yeah. movie i love this emotional guy. he's, just, he's yeah. like mostly just a broadway boy but he's incredible so vanessa hudgens shout out mm-hmm. high school musical rise up um also i don't know if this is a Lin- i think this is a lin-manuel thing but the structure of this movie really captivated me. How it just kind of like swirls you around and it doesn't feel like it's cutting between these two timelines like mm-hmm. a lot of movies do. 
it it feels like it's like this kind of like swirling structure where you're just like constantly like bumping in and out of time and like i don't know it it's tough to put it into words but it just like it really worked how it just kind of like you're watching the events of this guy's life and then you're watching him performing a musical about those events on a stage and you're kind it doesn't it's not a jarring jumping back and forth between like him actually living these moments and then performing a musical about these moments it's like a seamless like back and forth circular structure between these two things it's i i found it very interesting how they kind of cut it together yeah no you're it really does it makes sense that this ended up getting a best editing nomination because you're you're right like there's a million ways why this couldn't work well but on the same token it kind of is like the best crutch ever for lin-manuel right he's just like oh for half of this movie i get to just shoot a, a stage play yeah. i get to just, like this is my bread and butter is just shooting a stage like although he didn't direct well did, did he direct hamilton does he no. have directing credit on that no he yeah doesn't. but like hamilton is like he fucking did everything for hamilton though like he might as well have just directed it so he he knows stage direction more than anything in this world so having that crutch to rely on is just kind of helps him lean on that but it also does work to add to the story one thing that i will say about this movie and this goes to uh the supporting cast uh with alexandra ship who plays susan um jonathan larson's main love interest in this movie this movie gets neuroticism right in like a really really uh, a compelling way that's unique for a movie like this because so many times in a movie like this you're just like oh my god fuck off to this guy like he <laughs> yeah. just kind of becomes so unlikable or it goes down like the whiplash route of just like this guy is willing to do anything for yeah. greatness to the point of like you disregard him having any kind of personal connections with anybody and this kind of tries to ride a line in between those two things i am still thinking about the moment where him and uh, Andrew Garfield and Alexander Ship get in like this big fight with each other. And then he's just like playing piano notes on her back. <laughs> like he's like thinking of how he can turn their oh fight into God, a song yeah. as it's happening. It's like this person's insane. Yeah. Like that is an insane thing to do with the theater person. kids need to be stopped at all costs but also i fucking love that it showed that side of like yeah. being so self-absorbed and just like i have to finish my play literally nothing and no one else around me matters right now until suddenly it does right and again that's his performance you yeah. know it's like it's this kind of really self-obsessed person that still makes you feel like his journey is worthwhile for you to kind of give your your time to um it's on netflix check it out tick tick boom i i, I really liked it i really like it too my second favorite musical of the year last year i Rabbi and dear evan hansen <laughs> i would put in the heights over this still okay i'd go that's fair i i have them right yeah. near each other also if we're counting inside list. We're counting inside or is that I not? didn't I wasn't counting in if okay. we're counting inside then that pushes if we don't if we don't down, count but. inside I'd go West Side Story in the Heights tick tick boom okay yeah I'd flip-flop tick tick boom in the Heights I think 
I don't know. And the Heights hasn't really sat with me as well as I was I, hoping I that would. I love that movie. I need to go back and rewatch it since it's on HBO Max. Okay. Now we're getting into the uh, the Best Picture nominees. And first up, we got probably the movie that took Tick, Tick, Boom's spot in the 10 Best Picture nominees. It's Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, starring Mr. Bradley Cooper. Mr. fucking Bradley Cooper. This movie... I had heard such mixed things about, and it had such a sloppy rollout. They put it out the same weekend as Spider-Man. Yeah, just bad job by you. Completely (laughs) buried in mid-December. And then it slowly, slowly creeped its way back and found itself on streaming. It is now on Hulu and HBO Max. And... Dude, this is the follow-up movie from Academy Award-winning director, Best Picture, Best Picture winning, winning yeah. Shape of Water director, Guillermo <laughs> del Toro. And it just got completely squashed. Like, it is struggling to get any attention right now. And I am shocked because this movie is amazing. This movie fucking rules, dude. How... Like the thing is, because you said you heard mixed things about this movie, I didn't. I didn't really hear anybody fawning over this movie. I mostly just heard people say like, "Yeah, that was okay." Well, friend of the of the pod, Harry saw it. Yeah, Harry loved it. And Harry was well, championing. He said, he it. said it's kind of too long. Like it needs to be trimmed up a little bit. Like that was like his main takeaway from what I remember. And but I mean, he was still a fan of it. You know, I think. I think nobody has dragged it. I don't. I haven't heard anybody like say it's shit. I've anything. I've seen some like pretty negative reviews about it. I've heard seen people just be like, it's too long. It's kind of just trying to be too many things. Right. It's like jumbled. It's it's a mess. And in a way, I like all the criticisms that I've sense. heard. I just I can see why you have those with that with this movie. Well, it is it is a big story. It it does. For those who don't know, Bradley Cooper plays like um, a guy who ends up at a carnival and he just kind of like embeds himself into the life of carnival people and kind of learns their ways and uses those ways for his own, uh, I guess... What is he even doing? So he's he's <laughs> he's like he calls he's himself like, a a mentalist. Yeah, like he he's just a. I almost who, said I was gonna say career, but it's like it's not a career. I mean, it kind of you know he's he's, he's a swindler. To be, exactly, he's just he's here to he's a grifter. Yeah, he's just somebody who's just here to like you know grifts people out of their money, and he does the whole the classic con artist thing of just like a, oh yeah you've had somebody die recently and it's x y and z yeah. in reality it's all it's all using like picking up on certain like tricks and like it's all about observing people so much of this movie is just like how observant are you and it you know it's the thing this movie actually reminded me a lot of was the prestige yes. my favorite christopher nolan movie. yes i kept getting so many prestige vibes while watching it prestige also whenever it came out very like mids mixed reviews nobody really talked about it It took years to actually kind of really find more of a cult audience and i could see the exact same thing happening with nightmare alley because this movie i can't wait to rewatch this shit man like this movie rocks it's one of my favorite bradley cooper performances ever because it plays with 
Bradley Cooper as we know him as movie star. Yes. It, charismatic. It takes it that whole yeah. like charismatic. Yes. He's just that straight, shiny, white teeth looking guy. Yeah. You just you fucking love yeah. Bradley Cooper. It just makes him Hypnotize like. Hypnotize me, baby. Yeah. You become fucking <laughs> infatuated with him and with his charisma to the point where he just like drags you down into the fucking gutter with him. And you're like, yeah, take me along for the ride. I'm here for it. It's it's such an interesting performance because he he starts out being very um, I almost want to compare it to like a video game character where he's just like wordlessly interacting with all these <laughs> wacky characters at the carnival. Yeah, I mean, he does just show up. He just like literally walks what, right in. He, he's literally like you are in the the horse cart in skyrim and it's like hey you're waking up here you are (laughs) and it's like that's the guy you're with for the first like 30 minutes of this movie and you're so enamored with willem dafoe and tony collette and you're like oh my god this carnival is amazing i never want to leave here but then you do leave and you follow bradley and you start to pick up on a couple things. You know, the David Strathairian character is really interesting. I don't I don't want to give oh, yes. too much away here because I really want people to see this movie. But you do sort of start to peel back the layers a little bit through some of these interactions with Bradley. And by the time he leaves the carnival, you have a sense of who he is and what he's capable of. And he's no longer just the nameless, wordless, faceless video game character. Mm-hmm. He is a bit of a sneaky questionable mysterious he's a con artist i mean that's the whole thing is like it's him just it's like the origin story and the falling from grace of a con artist like all in one movie you're seeing this whole arc take place and it's pretty much flawlessly told i think that the biggest gripe i have with this movie though is that you do feel the division between the different stages of the story um, I, I, I say flawlessly in terms of like the, when you step back and you look at the whole piece, it feels like you got a complete story. Like, like GDT did exactly what he wanted to do, but the experience of watching it, it feels, I, I understand why people say it feels long. Because every time you shift, you can. Yeah, there's like a there's clear a like, oh, OK, cool. We're starting the second act now. Yeah, like it's, it's like, OK, and now Cape Blanchett is here. OK, and now Richard Jenkins is here. Mm-hmm. And it's like you do a very like abruptly feels like the movie is shifting. And I think that is kind of a big knock on it, because if you're not fully on board that kind of story structure is going to kind of rub against you in a big way. It didn't really rub against me at all. I I was on board and you know, we didn't watch this movie in a theater. I'm Mm -hmm. curious how it would have played in a theater where you don't have a choice, but to just sit there and watch it. But during those breaks, I kind of took a break. Like I, I I found Mm. myself, I didn't like fully like, detach myself from the movie but like i found like that moment to kind of pause it and like you know go get a drink get a snack go to the bathroom like it had like that episodic sort of nature to it that i didn't find myself like struggling 
with the story. You know, you I felt it. I felt it stop and start, but it it wasn't detrimental to my viewing experience because of it being kind of on HBO Max. That's that's interesting that you say. And like I, you know, that does make sense as you like explain that. Like I can kind of feel the breaks and like wanting to take a little break in between those lulls for a lack of better term but just kind of the the resetting almost of like here's the next 40 minutes of this movie you know it's funny because i watched this movie on a plane oh nice. and i after watching this because you know i had like a little tablet set up and there's like small cramped seats so you're just kind of looking straight ahead at the screen that you have in front of you here um so I'm not going to say that this is the same exact thing as watching this movie in a theater, but much like watching it in a theater, you're trapped with this movie. Whenever you're watching this on a plane, it's not like I could just like leave and go into another room and then like <laughs> yeah. come back to this later. Like I'm still on a fucking plane. So I was just locked in. I was locked in yeah. the entire time while watching this movie. And I think that that really added to my enjoyment of this movie a lot is like there is. I think that the reason why you can kind of feel these uh, these like skips in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 is because there's like little mini time jumps that aren't explicitly stated all the time. But like, no, they, when, it is explicitly stated at one point there. I, uh, there, there is from Act 1, Act, one. Yeah. Whenever yeah. they leave the carnival to actually go out I think it's and first start years. doing the mentalism kind of thing. Um I I'm hesitant to go like how much I want to go into this movie because I think that a couple of the things that are set up in act one, how they pay off in act three is just like fucking Bravo yeah. Guillermo del Toro. You did it like huzzah yeah. to you specifically um, the conversation with Willem Dafoe. Yes. Yes. That's the one. And when that comes back in act three, I like went like, fuck yes. Dude, not, in my, in not- my, in my air and guys like, not not act three literally the final, the final shot yeah the final scene with our king tim blake nelson coming in to round us out before this movie cuts to credits like the final shot of this movie i think is the best performance that bradley cooper has ever given in his whole so- career why did it Bradley? Wh- how did Bradley Cooper not get a single Oscar nomination for either this or Licorice Pizza? Well, this is more of a performance. Licorice well, yes, Pizza yes, is I, fun. Like that's a great moment in but that movie. I'm just but saying, like he, at he least he owns him, this. At least give him because oftentimes it happens with the Oscars. You know, where somebody will get a supporting yeah. nomination, but it's like, well, also they did this thing this year, but we right. can only Andrew really Garfield with Spider Man. Yes. Yeah. Um. Willem so Dafoe why, with Spider-Man, Card Counter, and Nightmare. <laughs> Let's fucking no Willem love, Dafoe, for- absolute fucking king. <laughs> um, I dude, like he's so good. I think that this might be my favorite Bradley Cooper performance. Okay, let's let's have this conversation real quick. Okay, I so so cross it's in the out conversation. Cross out limitless. Um, no, 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 hold on. <laughs> cross out rocket rocket raccoon. Like. Okay. Yeah, we're not right. talking Rocket Raccoon, okay? That wasn't there. Um, no, because when I pull up Letterbox, those are all those movies are at the top oh. for him. Okay, I think the only movie that this scratches up against is A Star Is Born. Okay, that, I mean, I think that that is the A Star Is Born. He also directed, so there is that yeah. whole side to it too. But here's the thing about A Star Is Born: is that I fucking love that movie. The movie's incredible. 
I think that that's more of a Lady Gaga movie than it is Bradley Cooper movie. Bradley he's, Cooper, he's incredible. Bradley in Cooper's the MVP because he also directs that movie yeah. and he directs the fucking hell out of that movie. But if, I, if I'm taking away a performance from that movie, it's uh, Lady Gaga. Aside from Bradley Cooper saying, You're ugly. <laughs> You're so fucking ugly. <laughs> um, I. What about uh, War Dogs? Does this beat his performance in War Dogs? Not not even close. Um, American what about Sniper. Burt? <laughs> I need this, to see is Burt. Burt? <laughs> Burt is at the top of my I think, watch list. I think, to be fair, I have not. I, I don't even know if I've ever actually seen this full movie, but I think that some people might say Silver Linings Playbook is up there. He's good in that. He's he's good. Yeah, that's a uh, shout out to David O. Russell. That's, um, yeah. You're, uh, you're a big like, J-Law head. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> we'll we'll say my thoughts on j-law coming up in just a few minutes um yeah i i think that bradley cooper has a very interesting career and he's kind of been all over the place with his roles and i think that this might take the cake for like his best role that he's ever done i mean uh, gun to my head i'd probably put it number two to a star is born just mm-hmm. because of like the achievement that that movie is but I think this is right up there. Like he is incredible in this movie. Like I said, it starts out as like nameless guy. And then you by get, the end, you are just like, Oh my God, you're like so wrapped up into it, but it's, it's let's, let's talk about the GDT of it all because mm. the advertising of this movie was like, what is going on? Like, is he a werewolf? Like, what it's, is happening? Dude, it's... I have so many issues with how this fucking movie because was rolled out. They they dropped the ball with this movie. But it's... The thing is, is like, it's GDT. Mm-hmm. I love my monsters. Mm-hmm. He loves them. He loves his creatures. So, you're led to believe that this is going to be some kind of sa- supernatural thing. Because it's... It's the guy who made the fish fucking movie. It's the guy who made the pants labyrinth and... Hellboy but and all these things. This is also an adaptation of a 1947 movie, which doesn't involve any supernatural. Yes, things, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. No, I get that, but most people don't know that. Nobody yeah, has they, seen that movie. You could do anything. Enjoy your film. You're, you, oh, what you don't watch 1947's Nightmare Alley to no. prepare for this one? Yeah, okay, okay. So you know, you go into this thinking like, what's you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's what is the the hook? What is the monster hook to this one? And it turns out he's a monster all along. <laughs> the whole time. Three monster is the friends we made along the way. Yeah. That's the thing. And like, I don't want to give too much away about how this movie ends, but that's, that's why it, it, this, this is up there with like my favorite endings of all time. Like maybe not all time, but like at least the last, like the last few, I mean, this is just a perfect, the last like so five to 10 years. Like this is up there with like whiplash. Like, it's that kind of ending. It really is. It's that kind of an ending because you can feel it coming. Like, you know where yeah. it's going. And then, like, just one line is said and you're like, oh, no. Right. Oh, that's but it, where we're it, going, it, isn't it, it? It supports the theme mm-hmm. of him, like, embracing who he is. He is the monster. He's always yeah. been the monster. Yeah, I think this movie is incredible. Like, I cannot stop thinking about this movie since I saw it. I I love this movie. I'm so, I can't believe this movie got nominated for Best Picture. That's yeah. so wild to me that despite 
the horrible rollout of this movie, despite them just like really Warner Brothers just really dropping the bag with trying to get this movie in front of as many eyes as possible. The fact it's that a it's hard movie still to sell. found an audience with like the awards people and now it's being re-released and people are actually in black and white yeah very wisely as the day after this was announced or this was nominated for best picture they cut the uh the window the release window and they just dropped it right on hbo max it's on hbo max right now yeah and hbo max and hulu to just try to get this as many as possible please this movie kicks ass i know people see the two and a half hour runtime and they think it's not a genre movie and like i can't get into this but i'm telling you watch nightmare yeah and movie fucking rules it's it, it might be a little tough to recommend to some people because it doesn't have like that kind of heartwarming uplifting thing to it and a lot of people are looking for that in movies nowadays you know because of the state of things it's not that kind of movie it is kind of like this dour dark movie but it's not it's not like a horror movie you know like no, it's not genre which yeah, i think is going it to... doesn't it's not creepy scary yeah. it is a little slimy and nasty but it's not like ooky spooky dookie you know <laughs> it's it's definitely not ooky spooky dookie. I can confirm that. Um, real quick, it is nominated for a couple other Oscars. Mm-hmm. Production design, costume design, and cinematography. This movie looks fucking I, beautiful. I'm so happy that I got cinematography nom too. Like there's no movie this year that looks like this. It's so it's it, so good. It's like the I'm just thinking about the carnival sequences themselves are both colorful and also like so grimy and gross. Yeah. Like it just it's so good. Love this shit. Check it out. Nightmare Alley. Um, All right. Another Best Picture nominee is one that you're a huge fan of. One that might take the crown as your number one movie of the year. Yeah. So uh, breaking news for our listeners. um, uh, The big stinky uh, doo-doo award for I think the worst movie of the year goes to Best Picture nominee Don't Look Up. Um, so I know you talked about this on a yeah. previous episode of this podcast that I was not on. Mm-hmm. I just had a chance to watch this um, fairly recently in the last like couple weeks or so because it got not. I, I watched it before the nominations came out, anticipating that this was going to get a lot of awards love. And it unfortunately, did. I was correct. Um, not as much as maybe you were fearing. Yes, that is correct. Um it I think got this, four four nominations. Here's the thing. I think this movie is like I think not only is this like a really bad movie, I think it's really poorly written. I think that it's actors giving some of their career worst performances. Um I also think this movie might just be like actively harmful. Um I think this movie is like just bad for humanity that this thing exists. I think that it's too uh too pretentious and too self-important to be considered a farce and it's too fucking stupid to be satire so i think this is a movie that's for fucking like i'm i'm still with her democrats (laughs) and i think that it's literally for no one else who has half a fucking brain cell left in their body i think that this movie is 
it's so stupid it's like guys isn't politics like really fucked up right now like god what if we just like looked up and like looked around us at isn't the world like going to shit if we just looked around then we would know it. it's like i don't fucking watch movies for this you know what i could do for that i could just watch the news how about we just like turn on that if i'm trying to fucking educate myself then i'll watch something that's i'll watch a documentary i'm not gonna watch adam mckay's piece of shit movie with dog shit performances I think Ooh. this movie sucks. I hate this movie. I truly hate Do Not Don't Look Up. Sizzling over here. I have Ooh. more. I have more. I have more. Come 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 back. Talk to me. Give me give me your positives. Okay. I think Leo's pretty good in this movie. I he's think fine. he's doing his Leo thing. He's fine. He I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is like capable of putting in a bad performance. Yeah. Like I think it's fair. He, he always and and not only is not only is it that but he genuinely cares about these these issues like Leonardo DiCaprio is a is a environmentalist in the real world and he's making this movie with that in mind and putting his personal feelings into the story in this character and I appreciate that and he gives a speech in the middle of this movie that you can tell like it's from the heart when he looks in the camera and he's like what have we done what have we done to each other? That's him. That's Leo. That's that transcends the character. And for that, I commend the movie just for for doing that alone. I commend it. Um, I also commend it for the the scene where we are introduced to Meryl Streep's um, president character with Jonah Hill as as the son, because Every but not everybody, but like there's this swell of people that think that like the government is this evil conniving entity that's like plotting to fuck everybody over and like control society. And it's like, no, they're all idiots. They're all fucking idiots. And I love how this movie decides to display that because I have interacted and heard about interactions with people in government that is literally it's the same thing as what this movie shows where these people are just so inept and stupid that they are incapable of even thinking about plotting they can't even fathom the idea of being diabolical because they are so dumb the people at the highest levels of power in government they're not plotting anything they're just idiots fumbling around. And I love that this movie shows that. I I hear where you're coming from there. Like, if you talk to most people who have worked in any kind of government facility, they say it's a lot closer to Veep than it is to House of Cards exactly. with how people are uh, actually thinking. I think, and this leads into, I think truly, if I'm just talking like film-wise, the biggest problem in this movie Every single actor is in a different movie in yes. this movie. Literally every performance is like it 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 might be good in something I say almost every single performance. I need to preface that because I think some people is just like one of the worst things yeah. I've seen in my life. And also this movie doesn't Jennifer have Jennifer Lawrence, a... I'm looking at you. I don't know what the fuck that was. That's one of the worst mainstream <laughs> performances I've ever seen in my entire life. Please get off of my screen. Um but 
I would never dare say anything bad about Meryl Streep in my entire life. I would not. She's a queen. She's one of the greatest actors of our lifetimes. Um, what is she doing in this movie? What is what is Jonah Hill doing in this movie? Whatever they're doing is not a part of this movie. They're part of something else. They're part of like Idiocracy 2 or something like that, which is fine. I'll see that movie. That's not what this movie is. This movie is such a goddamn mess. It's just yeah. this. It feels like what I was talking about before um, in the most anticipated movie is talking about like first time filmmakers where it's when somebody has so many ideas and they just want to keep throwing shit at yep. the walls. Here's the problem. Adam McKay, you've been in this game for two decades at this point. Like you don't have to fucking unload the clip of every idea you've ever fucking had into this one movie. Well, it's every idea about this issue. That's it's, the thing is like this is a man who got a blank check from Netflix to expel his climate grief onto the page. That's what this is like. Adam McKay is clearly suffering from a lot of like debilitating anxiety over the eminent demise of planet Earth due to human activity. And he's like trying to scream about it through this movie. And of course, it's a mess. Of course, it's a mess. it's a huge mess because Netflix didn't rein him in at all. They just signed the fucking check and they were like, you can do whatever you want, dude. And he was like, I am going to make an absolutely manic episode of climate anxiety about the end of the world. And I'm going to go off. And they're like, all right, go do it. I think so because of that reason. I think that this is so manic and it's so all over the place that it's less of like yelling about climate change. It's more like a baby screaming. And you know what people are going to do is, you know, who likes this movie is the same people who already are fa are like proponents of trying to stop climate change. This movie isn't doing anything to like bring in anybody else on the other side, which I'm not like trying I to say it this. might though. That's I don't the think thing. It, I think that that's, I think that's fucking wishful thinking. I think that's kind of the problem. I'm not trying to get fully political, but I think that that's like this movie is like the problem with the democratic party as a whole is what I'm getting at with this movie is that I think this movie is living in this fucking Westworld brained uh, idea of like, what if we could just all like reach across the aisle and get along, no. get through this. No. And I think that's fucking stupid. And I think that we need to evolve past that. I, I think what it is, is this movie is, this movie is reaching a lot of people. It is very, very widely watched. Of course, it's fucking Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, if people see Leonardo DiCaprio on Netflix, they're going to click. That's just how it is. That's why he's in this movie, right? And I think that that is leading to this movie being seen by a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't see a movie like this, right? I feel like that's part of the power in it. I understand the movie's not very good. But that aside, the message of it the idea that it's trying to get across is being successfully to some degree being communicated just by that sheer raw metric of people sitting down to watch this movie that otherwise wouldn't because Leonardo DiCaprio's face is on it. And through that, they're consuming these in this information. And a lot of these people are people who let's be honest, 
probably do not give a shit about voting or government or anything in that regard that they're like the kinds of people who are like totally fine with sitting out every cycle and that maybe we're like hey trump's not that bad he's not that bad like let's be honest he's not that bad and then maybe once he started like threatening to overturn the electoral system they're like maybe he is a little bad oh he's exacerbating the pandemic oh yeah maybe he is kind of bad maybe those people are the ones who are being swayed the ones who were like totally okay with sitting out the entire political process and we're like come on calm down he's not that bad it's trump yeah and now they're like you know a lot of people have been radicalized since covid hit and since we've been like in this constant state of like you know societal flux those types of people who pre-pandemic were not aware of like the big issues facing humanity and now are those people might be the ones who get hit with this movie and you know maybe it's not going to cause them to do anything maybe it's not going to get them to do anything about it but at the very least they've seen the movie and they understand that these issues are important and beforehand they didn't even know that these issues were even a thing at all because that's the thing dude like there's a whole faction of people that like they don't they don't even clock climate change as a thing they're like i'm going to go about my life however the fuck i want to and i'm not going to care about any type of environmental impact at all and yeah this movie doesn't work as a movie but maybe it'll get some people to start thinking about those kinds of things. I hear what you're saying. I think the problem is this movie's like two hours and 15 minutes long. So at the end of the day, also cool. Yeah. You have, you have like really good ideas. You have a good base from where you're trying to come from. That's great. I'm happy for you. You're also making a movie that's supposed to serve as entertainment content Right. I think you're giving way too much credit to these people, to the people who watch this. Do you really think that people like most people don't think about things like us? Most people see a movie and they're just like, I enjoyed that time to go about with my blue collar day and they never think about it again. That's what most people do, especially with something like Netflix. People just they're clicking on it and it's just in the background while they're fucking cooking. Like that's not I think that. <laughs> you're giving way too much credit to this middle uh middle american kind of neutral voter not really kind of without a party this type of person i think that that person doesn't really exist and i think that this movie frankly i don't think that it's a good enough movie to change anybody's opinion i think this is a movie i think it's a self it's self-satisfaction for democrats and it can act as talking points for the tucker carlson's of the world and i think that that's basically what this movie lies i think that's the same exact thing as vice except frankly i think vice is a better is a more well-made movie than this um vice is at least a movie this is just a collection of ideas um and I think that just like Vice, it's going to have literally no one's going to think about this movie in three months. And I think that people are already stopping thinking about it. And so therefore, it has no impact mm. and it only lives on as a movie that's on Netflix. Tell and that to the Academy. It's a bad movie. Well, I hope that it gets fucking shut out. Um, 
I hope this movie doesn't get anything. And also, my fucking queen, Ariana Grande, didn't even get a goddamn nomination for Best Original Song. Grant, it's a bad song. I'll say it. It's a really, really bad song. And Ari, save your Oscar win for the, something better than this shitty the project. The better song is the closing credits song with Bonnie Vare. That's the better song. Yeah, I guess. Um, we will see is this, you next time. Is this like the worst uh, post-credit scene that I've ever seen in my life? Oh, the it's spaceship? Up there. Yeah, it's really bad. You know, that's um, going to happen. That's happening right now. So, like... The the planet is dead and the billionaires Just real are quick, because I don't want to keep talking about this movie. This, I just, I hate it. I truly, I fucking hate this Wait movie. Wait until it wins um, Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> if it wins Best Picture... Here's the thing. I, I'm banning us ever mentioning the term Academy Awards on the show ever. Okay. I know I did a whole thing about the Academy Awards. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to fucking quit on the Oscars forever if this movie wins Best Picture. Um, I think that some of the performances are really bad. I think that J-Law is... I think that we we need to stop. Like, we need to stop casting Jeff Florence and things. <laughs> I, I don't think everyone's bad. I think Kate Blanchett. I think Kate Blanchett's fun. actually great. Yeah. Here's the thing between this and Nightmare Alley, I love Kate Blanchett is like buoying movies. Nightmare Alley is she great, rules. but she just fucking kicks ass. She, her and Leo's connection is the best yeah. part about this movie by far. That's the only reason why this movie isn't like a Titanic failure is because in that little section of this movie where it becomes kind of quiet, becomes almost like playing with leo as like sexy nerd guy yeah. that part is great. yeah he becomes That's like awesome Anthony i love Fauci all of that. doing like <laughs> yeah. infomercials about like <laughs> the- that that whole section is fucking awesome i love that little nugget of this movie but that's just one of like the 1500 movies that this movie is trying to be the the moment where jennifer lawrence comes home to her parents and they're like we believe in the jobs the that that is real shit like that would happen if a comment was coming to kill us that would that's that's real dude there are people right now in the in the state of florida who are going to reelect governor ron DeSantis because he saved the florida economy and meanwhile hundreds of thousands of people have died of covid because of it um like that's that is our reality right now get then adam mckay like direct a news segment or something like that (laughs) don't get your fucking shitty screenplays off of my goddamn netflix feed um one other person i think is actually kind of bad in this movie and i love the man oh what is mark rylance doing oh dude so bad dude what is he doing yeah like mark rylance is is incredible he's an amazing what the fuck was that like i kept watching it just being like is he doing a bit like is this a bit of (laughs) is he doing a bit of a performance right now because like i think he is i don't i mean i don't know i dude don't stay away from comedy my guy like that was just i don't know what that was timothy is uh pretty bad in this movie too but yeah. i mean what well, are you the, gonna do with mark, that bit part mark mark rylance. Rylance, mark rylance is the biggest surprise because i'm not notably listeners know i'm not a j-law fan uh but mark rylance i fucking love that guy and yeah. i don't know no, you're a huge ready player one head we all exactly. know this exactly yeah. the best steven spielberg movie no i i get what he was trying to go for like when you watch 
any interview with Mark Zuckerberg and yeah. Elon Musk, like that's what he's trying to go for. Like this robotic, you know, <laughs> inhuman kind of tech uh, leader. It didn't work. It's all. yeah, it's <laughs> it doesn't work is one word. Maybe we'll have to talk about don't look up again uh, when we get close to Oscars and we have to lock it in. For I really some picks. man. I got we'll it. Do you think it might actually win some awards? I if hope, this one's best picture, not. dear fucking God, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. One movie that's nominated for best picture that I think might actually have an outside shot at winning is Coda. At winning best picture? Here's here's why. Here's why. Oh my God, make the case. I didn't love this movie enough to think that it should win best picture but when you look at the field okay if if you don't know these are the nominees for best picture belfast coda don't look up drive my car dune king richard licorice pizza nightmare alley power of the dog and west side story right now the odds are with power of the dog mm -hmm. okay here's the thing that movie is a netflix movie i went to bat for Roma two years yeah. ago. That was the movie to give best picture to Netflix. That, that was it. I fucking love power of the dog. It made my top 10. Um, I don't know if this is the one that the Academy will say it's time to give it to Netflix. I'm very doubtful. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I, I have a sneaking sus suspicion that they're going to be perfectly fine with just giving Jane Campion best director. And that's it. Just like how they did with, with Quaron, with Quaron. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So then what happens? Is it, is it Steven's time to win for West side story? Are we going to have another parasite situation with drive my car? Oh man. Is Denis going to win with Dune? No. Cause he's not nominated for best director. <laughs> Sorry. Is Don't Look Up going to sweep it? Is Belfast going to cash in on all that early hype? Mm -hmm. It seems like a wide open field. It seems like if, if it doesn't, if Power of the Dog is not it, it could be anybody. Mm -hmm. And that creates a path for Coda. A very nice, soft, good, warm movie that just sits really really well when you finish watching it i was not on board with this movie when i first started watching it the first like 20 30 minutes or so i was like this is some disney channel original movie yeah, ass shit with like really really weak writing but then i stuck with it and i made it all the way to the end and i cannot tell you dude the last time that I pulled such a 180 on a movie. I cannot Damn. think about the last time that I was so not into a movie and by the end completely flipped over to loving it. I love this movie. I absolutely love it. I still mm. have to ding it for the fucking Disney Channel ass bullshit it's trying to pull in its first act or so because it's you don't need it. You don't need to fabricate girl being bullied at school because her parents are deaf like what are we doing what is this <laughs> but 
I don't know. Something happened where certain things were seeded. The way it all pays off in the end, the last like 20 minutes of this movie are incredible. I was crying my eyes yeah. out. It was beautiful. It. So I talked about this movie on the podcast, I believe in January. Sundance. Yeah, I believe in January of uh, 2021 because I saw this movie at Sundance. And whenever I saw it, I was like, this is a really good movie and I really enjoyed it. I didn't know that we would be talking about this movie a year later in the fucking best pictures. I right? never would have guessed that. That's something that I, makes I guess sense. Apple, I guess between, well, they, they didn't score the nom for Tragedy of Macbeth. So I guess they just pushed this harder. No, well, the thing is, they pushed Tragedy of Macbeth really hard. I yeah. think that they just tried to, they threw all of their weight behind both of them and one hit and one didn't. Um, I really like this movie a lot. I think that it's kind of, it's very, very, very traditional coming of age story about a girl trying to get independence. And it does have the new coat of paint on it where it is telling a unique story about um, a child of death adults. Yes. Like that is something new. While the story structure, everything about this movie is traditional except for kind of the core of this movie. And I think the core of this movie is what makes this movie special is because it's kind of like Trojan horsing a genre that is so familiar and that we've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times into something that is very compelling. Like you're talking about those last moments of this movie. The reason why that's compelling is because it's really getting to the whole actual coda of it all. Like it's getting into what that means and kind of, the responsibility that you have when you are kind of born into the situation where everyone else in your family is deaf except for you, that puts the onus on you that you kind of have to become a caretaker in a way because you are the one who's helping your entire family communicate with the outside world at such a young age that you never get a chance to actually live your life. And that's something that this movie gets really right, is that that theme. I did hear some big knocks on this movie for some people um pertaining to the notion of there not being in in the the parameters of like the world of this story which i think is set in like new england it feels yeah. like new england yeah, yeah. like that, mass main kind of area yeah um yeah it, yep Glo- gloucester massachusetts filmed um there mass and boys. also in canada um that there wouldn't be uh, interpreters in the situations that these characters find themselves in. They're like, what are we doing? Like, why isn't there an interpreter when they're at the doctor's office or at um, a hearing at um, the citation judge's office or whatever? Like, there's so many Mm. situations where you feel like there should be an interpreter there and there's not to create this drama. Yeah. I, I feel like... That is a valid critique, but if we're being honest, there's a lot of small towns in this country that are not going to shell out the bucks to pay an interpreter to be there. Like, come on, let's let's be honest here. We're not going to have an interpreter at every fucking place. Yeah, especially if they're just like, oh, well, you could just have your daughter come and interpret for you. 
Right. Like if you do, or we just don't care. Well, that too. (laughs) Yeah. I was trying to be more polite. Yeah. No, like we don't like there, this is America. Like people are extremely individualistic. We do not live in a, in a communal society here where we care about each other. We are just out for what's good for me. What's going to get me my highest fucking profit margins at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. And I think that, you know, I understand that knock, but like, like, let's be real. Like these people, they would not have access to the things that they need access to, to live their lives and do their jobs the way they need to. And I think that to an extent, the, the conflicts that come up in this movie are legit. I don't think that the conflicts that she runs into at school are legit with girls bullying her yeah for having deaf parent that that felt and like insane isn't, isn't to music me. important ernie did you watch this movie and you're like god yeah. i love the power of music don't we don't we all have like really <laughs> that is the disney channel of it all it's just like is this what the fuck are we now there's like a high school romance through <laughs> don't don't we have well okay don't you drag my boy for hold on a second uh faradell walsh pilo pilo yeah of Sing, yeah, Street Sing Street fame, yeah. my guy, absolute king. He's a fucking snack in this movie. He is a snack and a half. Even um, if he's portraying a high schooler, <laughs> yes. Um, the the thing with the family though is you need to create this drama. You need to create this tension, and they pull it from not the best sources. Like I don't buy the idea of like. First of all, this girl like feeling torn between her different lives like that didn't really work that much for me. Well, the thing is that happened. You are they act like this is a new thing that's thrust upon her. And that's not something you don't feel like these are two separate lives. If you were born to this situation, because this has been your entire life, your entire life, you've been living both of these worlds to the point where this isn't something where it's like, oh, God, I can't be myself because I have these two different sides. That's the thing that isn't that's yeah. a movie moment yeah. that doesn't exist because in real life you're just like yeah I have both these things yeah. both these things are my life the music teacher like texting her to come to music lessons as she's <laughs> yeah. being an interpreter in the exact moment it's like all right let's hold on a second a shout out to uh to our guy um uh, what's his name where is he at um the guy who plays the music teacher oh uh Mr V yeah um. Oh, he's pretty oh, far uh, down. Eugenio Derbez, who's in stuff like uh, Book of Life and um, what was the thing? I've seen him in like a handful. I know he's he's a big uh, Dora in the Lost City. He like he's been in, like Drunk and Jill and Sandy Wexler and like a few of those. Adam the Sandler Joel McHale things. show with Joel McHale. He was in the Joel McHale show. Yeah, um, but he's like popped up in things before. He's a guy I definitely recognize in this I, movie. I really like him in this movie. I think that. I, I really love where his character goes um, and how it all kind of pays off at the end. I didn't love how by the numbers it felt in the beginning. Like that's the thing about this movie is that as it starts to get going, it feels like you've seen this a million times before. Like you've seen all every character before. You know, aside from like obviously them being deaf, but like this this teacher guy, it's like We've seen this music teacher in like every Disney Channel movie. 
It's like, it's just like, you have to choose. Do you want to have the art or do you want your family? Right. Yeah. That being said, though, when you look at just the core cast here, we got Amelia Jones as Ruby, who's our main girl. We got Academy Award nominee Troy Kutzer as Frank. Incredible. This the guy. I, I love uh, I, this is something I shouted it out whenever I did the thing. I was just like in a like this is one of going to be one of the best performances of the year and it will go completely unrecognized. And it didn't, which is great. I'm so glad that, that this got fucking nominated. This he's, is something that would never happen like 10 years ago. He's so good. He's so in a role that is just, you know, it's hard to define great acting like this. Right. And he does it there. And yeah. And then speaking of uh, Daniel Durant as Leo, the brother, there are so many sequences of these actors acting without speaking mm-hmm. full ASL sign language. Like I've never seen that before. I mean, we, we raved about sound of metal. That's yeah. That's which is an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. Perfect film in my eyes, but that's a little bit of a different gear. You know, that's a guy who's like being thrust into yeah, a situation you're forced upon this. Yeah. This, these characters, they, this is who they are. ASL is their native tongue. You know, it's, you know, it's not tongue, obviously, but they speak with their body, mm-hmm. with their hands. This is how they communicate. And to see that like fully realized in these characters is incredible, dude. Okay, spoilers for this movie. Fast forward if you don't want to hear something that happens at the very end. The moment where she signs the song Dude, at the end. Oh my god, that's no. I was when you wreck. first see Troy Cutzer like watching it, and like you hear it, this is this big dramatic moment for, her, and then it goes into his perspective and just silence. Just like oh, that. When, when she's at the, the yeah, first when that, recital, yeah, when yeah. the first recital, and then because it's just like this big moment, this big movie moment, and then you hear him, it's just like. He doesn't even get to feel this, the biggest moment of his daughter's life. And he doesn't get to actually experience this with her the same way that any other father would with her daughter. And then when you have that moment afterwards, when they're sitting on the bed of the truck and she's signing out the song to him. Well, no, he that's when he feels it with his hands on her throat. Oh, yes. When they're sitting out there. So that's the first tear moment that's when i first started crying is when he like feels the vibrations of her throat singing the song just the two of Mm -hmm. them that's like oh my god just like wreck me that's and i thought that that was like the big moment of the movie i was like oh my god like okay it made me cry there we go then you get to the audition where she's singing to them in the back row and she starts signing the song as she's singing it at the audition. That's when I was like, just and just me. fucking I was tears, just, <laughs> just fully, fully <laughs> sobbing at that moment. Like I was done. I was absolutely done, which is crazy. This is what I'm talking about. Like for me to be so out on this movie at the beginning and me being like, this is some Disney channel ass writing, like, fuck this shit. I this I've seen this a billion times and then by the end to get me like that like it's special mm-hmm. it's special for sure also got a shout out uh Marley Matlin mm-hmm. uh from the West Wing she's in the West Wing oh. plays a deaf girl in the in the West Wing uh a pollster um yeah 
She plays the the mom in this movie. Hasn't aged a day. She's uh, she is like. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, because she's also in like the player. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just it's so wild to me that this movie has kind of gotten the love that it did because I just never I thought this was a movie that would be like oh you know some critic circles will like it and it'll get some festival play but like it just kind of gonna go away and now it's a nominee for best picture. I'm telling and you, man, it could sneak in there if if nobody's know, watching. Here's the thing: is that. I think that because of the voting system that the Academy does where they do tier-based voting, meaning that if essentially for people who don't know, I'm going to explain this in as few words as possible, but in order for a movie to win best picture, it has to have 50% of the vote. So the Academy will rank their list of uh, nominees that they have one through 10. And then they take it and they say, okay, does anybody have 50% of the vote? They don't. Okay. So let's remove the last place movie from everybody's list. And then we'll bump everything up. And then they do that process over and over and over again until something gets to over 50% of the vote because of that. I could see a lot of people having Coda at like three or four. Yeah. And that's how this movie, that is the path to victory for Coda. Yeah. Um, I have the betting, see. I have the betting odds pulled up. Do you want to know what they are? Okay. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Power of the dog. Yeah. Power of the dot is a huge favorite at minus 300. You have to bet $300 to win a hundred big okay. favorite right now. Ro- Roma was also the favorite yeah. that year. So just keep that in mind. Then Belfast. Yep. Belfast is plus 550. Which is honestly, you know, put ten dollars down that make fifty five bucks. That's not a bad, uh, not right. a bad bet. I I just feel like come the night of the of the of the Oscars, we're I feel like Belfast will just win like one Oscar. Like we could see um, like Kenneth Branagh walking away with like screenplay. Here's and that's the thing it. is that I I hope so because I think Belfast is kind of fucking boring. Um, but that's just me. Okay, I'm number old three white man at the end of his life is. Is West Side Story at number three? Yeah, it is. Eight to one. Yeah. West Side Story. Okay. Steven Guy Chant Outside Chance. I'm telling you, man, like they already gave that movie best picture. Don't <laughs> put it past be them. like, let's just give it to this I'm movie. I'm telling again. you, dude. What if you know what's good is if we just <laughs> award the same movie twice to like really That's affirm such an academy thing. Yeah, to, to like do. really affirm like, hey guys, we were right the first time, by the way. <laughs> like we actually we got it right the first time and now we're gonna get it right again. <laughs> Is is Coda after that? No. Uh. So next drive up, my car. Tied for fourth. Don't look um, up. Is drive my car and licorice pizza. Licorice pizza. Oh. Both of them at fifteen to one. I think licorice pizza has zero percent chance of winning. Um. I love it. You're not smelling that soggy I, bottom in the air. I think I I do think that PTA is going to win his best original screenplay Oscar, so he'll finally get a little gold man. Um, Not if Kenneth Branagh has anything to say. About no, well, actually, so let me scroll up here, cause Hunter, you do know that yeah, PTA yeah, is is doing the uh, the Belfast inter- is kind of right behind there. I'm looking. God, if PTA Belfast- is doing the interview circuit right now, and he is saying things that he should not be saying if you want to win an Oscar. <laughs> I love PTA so much. I'm in love with this man. I just hope him, him and my he needs Rudolph to shut the, the fuck up. Um, 
<laughs> God, I want Liquor's Pizza to win so bad. I actually, my outside pick, if I'm going a long shot bet for the Oscars, it's the worst person in the world wins best original screenplay yeah. at 25 to 1. Yeah. I Honestly, think- I could... I think that I there's a chance that. where people are just like, oh my God, this one, best original screen, where everybody's like, you know what? Kicked ass. This is a screenplay for Worst Person in the World. We'll talk about that in a later episode. Um, next up is Coda. Coda, Dune, and... You're back to best picture? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't Look Up has 20 to 1 odds. Coda and Dune at 25 to 1. King Richard at 30 to 1. And <laughs> Nightmare Alley, 70 to 1 odds. Should I just throw a hundred bucks on there and just try and win seven thousand dollars? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, you know, might as well just go for it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know if if Steven Spielberg like comes out as a pedophile. <laughs> if every person <laughs> on here comes out as a pedophile before the voting body closes. <laughs> Uh, and GDT is just like I love my monsters, <laughs> and they're like we can't. not this those kinds of monsters. monsters. Guillermo, Guillermo. Oh. God, you want who's favored to win Best Actress right now is Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos. Okay, this I, is a great transition so, to the next movie. Quick question, or just I. This is quick thing because I also watched Being the Ricardos in the last two weeks, oh. and that movie left. Almost worse than Don't Look Up, which left a bad taste in my mouth. Being the Ricardos has evaporated from my brain. That movie, I might as well have just never seen it. I'm glad it didn't get nominated for Best I think Picture. That I, honestly, I'm already wondering if that movie is even real <laughs> and if I did actually watch it. I cannot believe that both Nicole Kidman and fucking Javier Bardem both got nominated for Oscars for this movie because... And here's the thing. I love Nicole Kidman. I love Javier Bardem. I'm really happy that they can throw this on their resume as they got another Oscar nomination. This movie's nothing and Aaron Sorkin needs to be stopped. Yeah. He needs to be imprisoned. <laughs> he needs to be put back into jail and just like take... How about you take a fucking few years before you write your next movie, okay? Right. Aaron... Well, don't direct. Jesus That's Christ. the thing. Don't yeah. direct. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. Let's talk about the 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 category though because this is the most unhinged category at this year's academy awards we got uh this is best actress we got jessica chastain for the eyes of tammy Faye. uh nicole kidman literally no one has seen no one has seen this movie it might not nicole kidman for being the ricardos penelope cruz for parallel mothers uh olivia coleman for the lost daughter great and kristen stewart for spencer all of these movies are not nominated for Best Picture, which is absolutely unhinged. That's insane. Here's the thing. You can actually get plus money. I, I'm looking on uh, Bovada.lv uh, right now, and you can actually get plus money for any of these. <laughs> like, because the I think that people are just throwing their hands up in the air. They're like, we don't fucking know. We have no idea this what this is, category is. This is going to be the, the one of the most fun categories of the night. What if Penelope Cruz wins? That would kick ass. I would be so happy if Penelope... I haven't even seen Parallel Mothers yet, but goddamn, would I be so happy if Penelope Cruz were to win this. Um, Eyes of Tammy Faye. It's, do you know who made that movie? No. It's Michael Showalter. No. Michael Showalter directed this fucking movie, and yet it just like it doesn't exist. It might as well just not be a real movie. It's our boy, and it's just not anywhere. Um, I did not know that. That's fucking insane. I think that Olivia Coleman might 
win for the lost daughter because god i think that she this just might... won for favorite yeah and i could see people just being like that's the safe choice she might just be the next meryl streep like let's yeah. just fucking give her another Oscar and it is now. a great performance she's incredible it's a good movie it's yeah. so different from anything else that she's ever done but then there's the one who was the favorite and then kind of fell to a point where we were wondering she's if she was even there. going to yeah. be nominated <laughs> And that's Kristen Stewart for Spencer. So you saw Spencer a while ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. I, I think it's a weird movie. I appreciate how it doesn't just do the biopic thing. It doesn't try to tell the entire story of Princess Diana. It just kind of puts you in this castle manor thing with her for like a week or whatever it is. And it just tries to convey the feeling of what it must have been like to be this person by sticking you in this house. Um, and it's a nightmare. The, the movie is a nightmare. It is a weird, is a twisted dream. And I think her performance is incredible and I would mm -hmm. love for her to win. I'm happy she's nominated, but I genuinely think that this was like it's one of those like thankless oscar Beatty type of roles where it's just like okay you're playing somebody that's was already a huge figure in culture that had a lot of eyes on her now do that but also put your own artistic spin on it yeah. and make it your own and some way somehow she did it i think she absolutely nailed it she captured the essence of princess diana and still gave it like this kind of like you know what's the word kind of like it's almost it is kind of like a twisted fairy tale it is like this like fantastical kind of like out there take on a real person it is a character she is playing a character yeah. she's not just like verbatim copying this person but still she is capturing the essence she's doing the voice she's doing the look it's a very strange movie i don't know if the movie as a whole fully works that much because it is kind of slow and kind of boring a little bit at parts but that her performance is fucking amazing she's so good in this movie and i love watching her i i 100 percent agree with everything you said about her i love Kristen stewart for forever now and i'm so happy that i think that she will win I do think that Kristen Stewart will end up coming all the way back and winning this award. Um, I think that she is fucking amazing in this movie. And I think that she really elevates this movie. Speaking broadly to Spencer as a whole, I'd say that this movie left me a little bit cold. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is intentional mm -hmm. for sure. But also, I don't know. This movie just it left me kind of disappointed and that's not really something that I was expecting to say from this movie more so because I didn't really think that this movie had a chance to be anything to be honest. But I think the why it left me disappointed is because I think this movie actually borders on greatness. Like I think that this movie has the potential to be something really special and there's moments in this movie, mostly with Kristen Stewart and kind of trying to dive into this whole like, 
mental illness angle of Princess Diana is this like very like this basically this bird in a cage figure who just yeah. like can never actually spread her wings well, the, and the eating disorder. Yeah, yeah, like I think that part of this movie, like I think whenever it touches on these points, it like fucking sings. And then we have to do the biopic thing. And then it's just like every bit, every time that I started to feel momentum with this movie, it was just like came to a fucking screeching halt and just got really boring for 20 minutes. And I felt like that happened over and over again with this movie. And it just, it just kind of left me in like a a bad taste in my mouth because I was, it's one of those things where it's like the difference between watching a movie where you're like, that was good. That was as good as a movie like that Mm could have been. And seeing something where you're like, I guess I enjoyed it, but I could, the ceiling was just so much higher than where this actually ended up that I just kind of feel, I feel underwhelmed by it all. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is Spielberg's Lincoln. Like imagine if, (laughs) if Lincoln kind of pumped the brakes every half hour and like (laughs) went back to try to kind of fill in the gaps of like when Lincoln was a, a young lad, you know, it, it's, it, that's not exactly what this movie is doing. It's not like cutting that abruptly, but it is trying to go into those parts of her life. Did you ever think that still... Lincoln had to think about his entire life before he wrote the exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it, it's not, it's not that clear cut. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, because like this movie at the end of the day remains very uh, detached from like what you expect from a biopic. All right. Little dog trouble there again. Bumping around and farting and mooing. And look, when you got hounds in the studio, this is just going to happen. Sometimes. Yeah. Much like Princess Diana had. Did she, there were dogs. No? Were there dogs? Have, there were puppies. Yeah, there was I feel like the like, royal family. There was a scarecrow, has... uh, which is kind of a dog. Of okay. Inanimate uh, field objects. Well, sorry. We were really hot there. Do you want to talk about um, uh, the scarecrow <laughs> jacket? Um. So I, I think that the the big takeaway that that is a good moment there the sort of the symbolism of like mm. her kind of dealing with the 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 two sides of diana you know the royal and the commoner and like the conflict there um the thing that sticks with me even more so than the outfit on the scarecrow is what i shouted out during our wabamis episode the song the needle mm. drop of all i need is a miracle that is the yeah the top down with her two boys in the car just so incredible lasting moment like i know this movie doesn't fully work in my opinion in terms of like as a movie but as a character piece a character portrait of a real person and sort of like this heightened dramatized take on a real person it works really well and it works really well because of moments like that ending bit with the 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 scarecrow the outfit the sort of symbolism there and that song i think that just like one of the things that people 
really talk about when they talk about Diana is how she felt like a person. Like, that's why people connected to her. That's why she was such a sensation, because Mm -hmm. she wasn't like she wasn't just another member of the royal family. They felt like she was a real human being. And the fact that she died is even more heartbreaking because it's like there was this extra layer of connective tissue that people had to her. And it was just like so tragically done. And this movie, like it finds a way to resuscitate that and give honor to that and celebrate that without it feeling gross. It feels like nice and warm and like, you're just like, I don't know. You're just like, peeking into this reality of her just being just a girl just a woman just a mom Mm -hmm. and nothing else no bullshit with the fucking crazy ass royals just that yeah i mean it's just kind of goes to show like kristen stewart is without kristen stewart in this movie i think this is like kind of a nothing movie which is why she should win best actress is because I think that as much as I love, like even selling like Olivia Coleman, the lost daughter, I think that a lot of credit in the lost daughter goes to Maggie Gyllenhaal, like Maggie Gyllenhaal, kind of the lost person of yeah. the lost daughter. Um, Cause she wrote and directed the whole thing. And like, I think that the tone of that movie really works. I think that something in like, a movie like this, the tone's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I think that without Kristen Stewart's performance kind of buoying this movie, then it's just a nothing. You have Jackie on your hands. I mean, uh, another unless... Pablo Lorraine movie. I never saw so, that. Uh... Um, I mean, well, first of all, shout out to Johnny Greenwood, who mm. does the score for this movie. And I think that there are people that might go into this movie wanting that version of this story that is kind of stilted and kind of jagged and kind of weird and kind of out there. And I don't know if that, that's just not what I expected. And I don't know if that's what people, most people would want from a princess Diana movie. Um, That being said, like I kind of prefer that to, the standard biopic. And I like that this movie is not the standard biopic. And even though it doesn't have like that warmth to it, that a standard biopic might have that kind of just like holds your hand. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough trade-off. Like you lose that layer of like easiness that can come from a, by the numbers movie. Much like Coda, right? Like Coda is a movie that really holds your hand, really makes things easy yeah. for you. This movie doesn't. And I think it it, it it loses something there, but it also gains a lot in terms of like actively stepping away from what a extremely formulaic Princess Diana movie might be like, which I'm so glad this isn't. Yeah, you're right. I... <sighs> I, I think that that's kind of one of the things that I'm stuff I'm I'm stuck in a 
tough spot with this movie because you're 100% right. I'm so glad this isn't just trying to be like another bi- very traditional biopic where we're going to sum up all of Princess Diana's life. I'm also glad that this isn't trying to do the day in a life biopic thing like where it's just highlighting, I don't know, like the big historic moments of Princess yeah. Diana's life. Like think about a well, movie. That's what the crown does. Yeah. Well, or even think about something like Steve Jobs, which is a, a movie that I really enjoy. But that's like trying to do the day in the life biopic thing where it's just like this is a big moment right now and we're going to cap in the other Steve Jobs life things but we're going to try and do this all right here in this one movie I think that I really like that this movie is kind of just like a weekend with Princess Diana and it's at a certain stage of her life but it isn't at like the best point and it isn't at like the worst point right before she's about to die either it's like just picking out one it's plucking one moment from her life and I love that I just wish that just it was a little bit better executed. I just I don't know if it's I think that it comes down more to the screenplay than it does to the direction, because I actually do kind of like what Pablo Lorraine was kind of doing. I think that some of the tone is really well done in this movie. It just doesn't quite gel as much as I wanted it to. I think that it comes really close to just being like fucking excellent. It just doesn't quite get there for me. Shout out to Sean Harris. Yeah. plays the, the chef. Um, also, uh, you mentioned Johnny Greenwood and got to give a shout to the score. My uh, Johnny Greenwood should have mentioned him on like the winners of the year between yeah. this and, and power of the dog power. of The dog. Let me tell you right now. Sidebar. I've been listening to the power of the dog score like nonstop that guitar, that work. acoustic guitar. <laughs> Yeah. The dissonance in this is like fucking incredible. Oh. It's not even favored to win best uh, score. It's um, Dune is actually the favorite right now. And I actually think Power of the Dog score is like one of the best scores of the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. I think that's Owns. truly. <laughs> yeah, more so than this, it really like kind of is the backbone of mm-hmm. the mood of the movie. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Very I different d- scores between this and. Power yeah. of the dog though. I don't I don't see myself rewatching this movie anytime soon, but I feel like if I did, I would appreciate the score more. Yeah. That's because fair. it it just when I think back to it, it's like, yeah, that is part of what this movie is trying to accomplish is that eeriness, that weirdness. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's the score that that helps it get there. All right. Before we wrap up, we got to talk about a movie that did not get nominated for any Oscars. Should have been. And Give that, this movie all the fucking awards. And that is the new movie from um, Mr. Paul Schrader, The Card Counter. Movie that you had on your top 10 of the year. I think I had number six. And I, I was really hoping that I would have seen it before we did that episode, and I did not get around to it. And I just saw it last night and I I didn't like it as much as first reformed his last movie, but I was so on board with all the ways it connected to first reform because you talked about it when, when we did our best of and like that whole idea of like, will God forgive us, you know, and in first reformed, Ethan's Ethan Hawke's character is a uh, priest who is asking himself that question when he comes to term to terms with um, 
humanity's destruction of planet Earth, of the environment, and the imminent demise due to climate change and environmental collapse and ecological destruction and all these things. The card counter takes that idea and instead of it being about the environment, it's about like the military industrial it's complex. It's about war crimes. <laughs> and it's about like the United States like military mm. um, taking things too far and having humans do absolutely inhuman things to each other in the name of patriotism yeah. freedom yeah question mark <laughs> it's uh the um hero of war by rise against <laughs> as embodied into cinema and and there's a lot of visual cues that tie the two movies together too like oscar isaac just sitting sipping on a whiskey and writing down in his journal just like ethan hawk does in first reform more than that there's some lingering shots in there. It's yeah. doing the same thing that First Reformed was, where it's just like a shot will linger on a character as they leave the frame, and it will linger there for like an extra second or two yeah, to leave room for God. Yeah. Dude, the, the final shot, <sighs> the two hands, I was like, Woo! oh, man, he's doing the thing, the transcendental cinema thing. Mm -hmm. I, you know... I think there's a lot of people that might flip this movie on and think, huh, it's a card counting movie. I said it on our top 10. <laughs> this is a bad poker movie. This is not a good poker movie. Don't watch this movie yeah. expecting to learn how to count cards. This isn't 21. But the thing is, is that it does spend time in that plenty of time in that world. And there are plenty of sequences of him playing blackjack and poker like it. It devotes its time to that. And you might get to like halfway through this movie and be like, and still think that it is a card movie. But you got to know up front, like it is not a card movie at all. It is a movie about a man who cannot forgive himself for the absolute heinous, disgusting things he has done in his life. He went to prison for it. And now he is in a space where he doesn't feel like he deserves life, basically. Like he's he's he even says it like he plays cards because it fills the time. It passes. It passes. He isn't, the he time. isn't play cards to like make my plays. He's trying to run out the clock in his fucking life. Mm -hmm. Just to pass the time. Right. That's it. And Just that's a that's a dark situation that's a dark character that's a dark movie this movie is not a light movie first reform was not a fucking light movie like that's not the kind of movies paul is making if you want the paul schrader if you want light content from paul schrader then read his facebook post right that's what you, that's what you need <laughs> his horny paced facebook yeah. post that he makes and i again it's i think it's unfair to fully compare this movie to first reform I I have to because, yeah. you know, there's they just similarities out. right yeah. there and they share a lot of the same thematic qualities, but it's not as good as First Reformed. I do think that it is it is doing something that I've never seen a movie do, um, at least from the movies that I've seen, where it is actively pointing out and tackling the um how do i say this the disgusting reality of the united states military 
like what what is another movie that you can think of where it like so clearly outlines and spotlights the inhumane atrocious actions of like the u.s military i can't i can't think of a movie usually like we've been conditioned to see like absolutely like heroic portraits of our soldiers you know yeah i mean not something like so explicitly as this but also i will say this all this movie knows when to cut away at the right moments it doesn't even it doesn't want to even give you the joy of like you're gonna get to see like some like gruesome like some gore some it shows you uh little flashbacks i guess to the prison itself yeah. that oscar isaac is in that has this fisheye lens and it's so amazing. disoriented it's to the point like it's kind of like makes me nauseous yeah. while watching it that's the point but there's other moments in this movie where you think that you're going to get some kind of a physical relief some kind of like emotional outpouring on the screen and this film doesn't give you that either because that's not a, it's not that simple. You don't just get to just have some big moment, some big like revelation in your life. And then suddenly you're good and you can forgive yourself of all of the crimes that you've done against yourself and against humanity. That's it's not that fucking simple. And this movie doesn't make it that simple. And I think that's something that's so genius about this and first reformed it's tough to c- compare the two. I know that's logical because same filmmakers, same filmmaker released back to back, sharing themes, yada yada. But they're very different movies. They are very different movies, yeah. and I actually I think that this movie like it has continued to resonate with me more and more. Like just I keep thinking back to this movie, especially I just went to Vegas, yeah, and like. I'm not going to say like I saw people who were definitely war criminals playing blackjack <laughs> with me while I was there. But like there's also like just this type of guy who you can just see like they're like playing cards and they're just like glazed numb. over. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like there. Like where I was just like one like they don't have the joy that normal people do when you win money and you're like, yay, I won money playing yeah. poker. It's just, it literally is like more of just a thing of just being there to pass the time. Just kind of, this is such a, it, it loses all of the allure to right. it. Very notably, this movie isn't shot in Vegas. It's shot in like fucking like podunk casinos in indiana and shit like that like it's shot in like all of these little places around before they can actually go to vegas to do this tour also we should say you are a huge uh ready player one head Mm. my boy's in here yeah uh what's his name ty sheridan ty sheridan my boy ty sheridan is in here i have watts all the ty sheridan stock i bought it all Everybody was selling and I just kept buying it. Yeah. It, it, so he's great in this movie. He is great. It is a very odd dynamic. Mm-hmm. These two characters, because they, they do like explicitly at one point, like Oscar says to him, like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? Like they, they kind of vocalize the awkwardness yeah. of these two it's guys. It's not like, quite like a father, a surrogate right. father, son thing. It's not like a brotherly thing. It's, it's kind of transactional. Yes. Like they're both like yeah. trying to get something out of each other. You know, Ty Sheridan is trying to explicitly get this guy to like do something for him. And 
Oscar Isaac is trying to get this kid to like fulfill his deep guilt. <laughs> He's trying to like have this kid be his like vessel to like yeah, exactly. clean up his mm-hmm. wounds. You know, that's and that's like that's the thing that kind of is sticking with me about this movie and this character. Cause it's like at the end of the day, this is this movie is just a character portrait of this guy who is just like so dead inside. And like he went to prison, he got out and he just like doesn't see the point in like living anymore. You know, he doesn't he he wraps his motel rooms in white sheets to try to simulate prison life. Yeah. Because he doesn't know what to do beyond that once he's gone. Like, this is the kind of guy we're dealing with. And you get Ty Sheridan and you get Tiffany Haddish. So I wanted to ask, what did you think about Tiffany Haddish in this movie? Loved her. It's so the chemistry in, is palpable. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. A lot of people together. are fucking hating this performance from her. Like, I've seen a lot of really well, negative things. It's weird. From her it's weird because, because it's like you feel like the movie. It's 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 a weird dynamic where like you feel the movie is trying to be light and comedic. Well, no, that's you. I, and but it's that's, like, wait, what's but it's, going no, on? It never is at any point. It's just you see Tiffany Haddish and you expect it to make a light and fight. It's like if Seth Rogen suddenly popped up in there, yeah. you would expect for it to take a comedic turn, but it doesn't. And that's kind of it's very interesting. Like there I just, are moments where like I, I did chuckle though. Like there are moments of like a little bit of levity yeah. here and there. I think it is purposeful. I don't think this movie is like as dour as first reformed. I think there are moments where you can kind of like breathe a little bit lighter. I don't know. It's pretty fucking bleak. This movie is, I guess there is some moments like that. How does she's like cracking a couple jokes here? She and does there. have a couple of jokes. I want to know how this dynamic was formed. Like, who confronted who? It was just like, did you? Th- did Paul Schrader see like Girl Trip? It was just like, this is who I'm going to have here. Like, as that's a to great question. Across from, how did these two people meet? Just because it's something. It's such an unlikely pairing, and those scenes between Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish are fucking electric. Like they do have real chemistry with each other. Like you could probably expect because both of them are incredible actors and both of them are very hot. hot. (laughs) Both of them are two very sexy people together in the same room. Uh, I'm trying to look it up. There's no explicit quote from Paul Schrader asked. Do you think Tiffany Haddish just like liked some of his like horny uh, Facebook posts and then he slid into her dms and she slid back and yeah i don't i don't know oscar isaac is incredible in this movie i think that and this might i i I might need to brace yourself whenever i say this i think oscar isaac is like borderline just as good as ethan hawk is in first reform with what he's doing i think the movie might not quite be there but i think oscar this is oscar isaac is one of my favorite actors this is a note that I didn't know that he knew how to play. We've never seen Oscar Isaac tear the chemistry out for, or tear the charisma out from his performances entirely. And in this movie, Ex Machina. I he think is I, so charismatic in that. Think about the dancing scene and stuff. That's just full Oscar Yeah, but there Isaac are moments times. in that movie where he's fucking terrifying. Yeah, but there's moments in this movie where he looks like he's like fucking Xanaxed yeah. out. Like well, he looks okay, like so he is just completely glazed over. The scene where he like lays it all out for Ty Sheridan, the scene where like the camera like slowly punches in on him as he's telling him like what he did. 
that is the moment. Yeah. That is the moment where it's like, oh, yeah, he's got it. This movie works. It all clicks. That's the scene where it all clicks, where he just like recounts, you know, it it kind of like creeps up or he's like, you want to know you you're dying for me to tell you. And you kind of lean in. Everybody leans in. And then he de- he tells it. He tells you all about it. And the, the camera just punches in and the score swells up just slowly. You hear that rumbling. That is the scene, man. Like he is incredible in that scene. And you don't I don't think you cut. No, you don't cut to a flashback in that moment. No, it's just him talking about what they did. My guy the Paul smell. knows how to write. That's yeah, he's talking talking, about the yeah, the smell of the stench of being there. Yeah. <sighs> man. Oscar, like it really is. It leveled up Oscar Isaac, and I didn't know that that was possible at this. But I really thought that he was just a movie star. Yeah, yeah. And you loved X Men Apocalypse. Yes, you were um, all the way on course. board. I thought that he was just like one of the best acting movie stars that we had, and that's. And I don't mean that in like any kind of a condescending way or anything like that. But like, this kind of showed me like, oh, is he just like? a fucking incredible is he just one of the straight up best actors that we have of this generation like give me that is that do we think that we're gonna have more notes like this in moon Knight? um we are think, going to have do notes, you think that there's a point in there moon are going Knight? to be notes in moon Knight. do you think I'll that, moon Knight, that he's going to look over at ethan Hawke and say will god forgive us <laughs> As they both just like talk about working yeah. with Paul Schrader. They both just chug Drano <laughs> and just, just fucking explode. I never, I didn't even suicide make that connection until right now Feige. that both of them are just like in very <laughs> depressing existential films by Paul Schrader back to back. It's Let's amazing. go, baby. Uh, I'm looking at what he's doing next. He doesn't have that much lined up. Schrader? Um No, no, no. Oscar. Oh. He is slated to be in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 as Spider-Man 2099. <sighs> let's go. So into it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> cool. Kevin Feige. Let's let's bring him. Let's bring him in. Let's bring cool. him in. Let's go. Sick. What about Schrader? Is Schrader have anything lined up? I mean, Schrader's one of those guys. He's, who he's just got like works. a thousand things lined up, but yeah. like it's about what will actually what project will stick. Paul Schrader has a lot of movies that are just like nobody has ever seen, and they're yeah. all like garbage. And ever, I thought about doing a Paul Schrader watch through, and then I looked at his filmography <laughs> and said, "Well, I'll just I'll hit the highlights. I'll, I'll hit the big okay. ones." He has a movie in production. It's called Master Gardener unclear if it's based on the play master gardener um i don't think it is i think he just like ripped off the title (laughs) off of the classic play uh, master gardener anyway tied to it uh joel edgerton hey sigourney weaver i'm listening yeah joel edgerton and sigourney weaver in a paul schrader film yeah Uh, okay not sure if it's coming out this year probably not (laughs) First performed um, was 2018. It's it just started filming like last week. Oh, oh shit! So, so it is happening. Could, yeah, it's ha- it's a real movie that's happening. Yeah, it literally so probably 2023. Filming. Then eh, maybe not. I man, if Paul is how old is Paul? Not he's in his 80s, right? Let's see. Paul 70s, Schrader 80s? is 75. 75. Okay, he's putting out back to back movies. Good on you, Paul. 
I think this movie card counter, like what we were talking about in our most anticipated episode, like there, there were just too many movies that came out mm-hmm. in the past year. So it just, it just didn't get any attention. Um, see also a movie that we still haven't seen. Come on, come on. God, or, I just, I need to, yeah. Or a movie that we both saw French dispatch, which also didn't get any Oscar love. So um, I do want to ask real quick before we wrap this episode, Drew doesn't get a chance to do this because he's not here. You have a chance right now to retcon your top 10. Oh. Adding it now that you've seen Card Counter and Nightmare Alley, are you taking anything? Are you sliding anything around? Do you put anything in now? Got a new top 10? Because I will tell you right now, Nightmare Alley is in my top 10. Okay. I had to move some things, but. So here's the thing the worst person in the world <laughs> would make my top 10. 100%. Yeah. Uh it would make my top 5 actually. Nightmare Alley. I have it at number 11 right now. Oh. I would have to kick out West Side Story to punch in Nightmare Alley. And I don't know if I'm quite ready to do that. I don't know if I've brought myself emotionally to do that right now. I think I might though. You know, it's just some of these movies like you just have to let it sit <laughs> yeah, with yeah, you, well, yeah, you for a while. Mm-hmm. And I might like that's fair. I I need to I hate to say this because like I have so many other things to watch, but like I want to rewatch West Side Story <laughs> and Nightmare Alley <laughs> before I make up my mind. <laughs> but as of now, I did have Nightmare Alley in my top 10 and then I had to put and then you saw worst person. worst person in the world. Yeah. Um. Speaking of worst person in the world, I'm retconning it right now. Um, I after rewatching it recently, um, as of a couple days ago, I actually moved worst person in the world up to my number one of the year. Oh my god! Um, I think that might just be like one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> uh, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, I'd put Nightmare Alley in in like the nine ish to ten ish spot. I'd probably have to kick out either Titan or House of Gucci. Um, unfortunately, I have sold my soul to Paolo Gucci, so I'm sorry, Titan. You have to leave the top ten so that. See, this is what I, I leave, was gonna say I about leave, about don't look you know, up. Paul Schrader leaves room for God in my films, and I leave room for Paolo Gucci in my top ten. This is this is what I was gonna say about don't look up. There is no Paolo Gucci character. In <laughs> Why don't look up? Is it, dude? If there was a Paolo Gucci, then it rises up like two and a half stars on my list. Like. That movie needed somebody that like just derailed everything. That movie is too self-serious. Everybody's trying to be like, isn't it like so freaking epic that like I'm just like in this movie and I'm in a satire right now. And then Leo's like, I'm in a very serious film about climate change. (laughs) I can't I can't rehash that again. (laughs) What if Ron Perlman as the racist homophobic astronaut character oh man just Poor, came in and- you know what, ron, i'm so happy he's still getting those syndication sons of anarchy checks and i'm really happy for our king ron perlman what if they were doing like their little news coverage with tyler perry about the comic coming and they're like okay now we'll go to uh the leader of the gucci family <laughs> franchise bella's like ah i don't see another comment to come in Ah, don't look up. 
I just want to be a comet. I want to fly to the planet. I want to soar in the sky. You know what, listeners, just don't listen to our podcast. Just instead of listening to the next episode and a half of our podcast, just go watch House of Gucci, the greatest film ever made. Uh, no I'm ready for that movie to come out on home videos just to make, make a super cut of just Paolo Gucci right, scenes. Exactly. Just give me just the Paolo exactly. Gucci. Just give me just the Leto. No love for uh, Last Duel, huh? Still haven't seen it. Yeah. You know, sorry, Ridley, you got one. Okay, don't <laughs> ask too much for me. All right, let's wrap this baby up. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and email us. We bought a mic at gmail.com. Follow us at we bought a mic on social media. We're on TikTok now. So please follow us on there. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. Visit anchor.fm slash we bought a mic to send us a voicemail and donate. Thank you, all you beautiful donors, for donating. We love you. Thank you to all you new donors, including David, friend of the pod. Shout out to you. Thank you so much. And um, stick around for the return of our Robin Williams series with Aladdin. We had to punch it back because uh, of Drew. We had to wait for him to return from the front lines of the Ukraine-Russia conflict. From Agrabah. <laughs> yeah, that is... That the is front lines of conflict in Agrabah. The, 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 the Sultan of Agrabah is being courted by Vladimir Putin right now. Yeah, unfortunately, to... <laughs> yeah. He did... Vladimir Putin has his little snake staff, and Drew's trying to break the snake staff so that... To avoid a world war, who knows? And then beyond that, um, we got we got toys. You ever seen that movie? Toys? I've never seen toys. Uh, there's actually a really good Coheed song called uh, "Toys" from a couple okay. years ago. I'm sure it'll be featured in the Robin Williams. I'm film. your favorite toy. Um, also, we will lock in our final Oscar predictions uh, before the show itself. And new movies coming out. The Batman and uh, Ambulance. is Ambulance is coming out soon, right? I don't know. I love that you've just like, you've wrote in Sharpie that we are covering Ambulance we are on this doing, podcast. This is a Michael Bay positive podcast. <laughs> we've never, no of us have agreed to doing Ambulance. And you're like, no, we're covering Ambulance, actually. It comes, I'm here for it. I'm it ready comes for out four spot. days after my birthday. Okay, so it's a birthday. Yeah, it's your birthday wishes that you get to watch Ambulance. <laughs> I thought you we were in the bag for Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I am. No, here's the thing is that I I'm here for Ambulance. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm ready for it. All right. We'll have to drag Drew to it. But Thanks fine. for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.